Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harvin, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. That's right. Get that all out there. Hope you all check out SteelCurtainNetwork.com. I think that's important for me to state right out of the gate. You know, I mean, SteelCurtainNetwork.com, what it consists of is a lot of writers that were formerly with uh, Vox Media, SB Nation, we decided to kind of start a new venture, and hey, we, we knew there were going to be some growing pains, but everyone that's listening to this podcast, if you go check out SteelCurtainNetwork.com, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. And if you love just regular NFL content, college football content, baseball content, go to FansForSports.com as well. Give it a shot. You can also have some tabs at the top of that homepage that'll take you to wherever we have a podcast, you can find it. So let's say you also like the Pittsburgh Pirates. Go to the MLB section, go to the Pirates, you'll see our Talk the Plank uh, podcast channel. You also will see the Penguins, the Skating Penguin Podcast Network, all that great stuff. Check it out, fansforsports.com. All right, it is Friday, folks. Happy Friday. Super excited for everyone to be here. We made it through another week. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird because today we're going to be talking with John Suchan of the Fanatical Elves Podcast Network. I've had John on the show before this offseason when I did the Steelers versus Ohio, and I had him on the show to talk about the Browns. He's going to be on the first half, and Jeremy Jerome Betts, as always, the All Bets Are Off segment, will be coming in the second half of the show. But even though we're doing like predictions, what's really weird is that I'm going to be back on Monday. And so Monday is when I'm going to be doing the keys to victory. I'm going to be breaking down what I expect for this game because on Monday morning when you all wake up and we're getting geared up for Monday night football, you're going to want to hear something. And that's where I'm going to come in. I'm going to have hopefully the podcast that's going to get you ready to go, amped up. Here's what the Steelers need to do. Here's how they're going to attack the Browns. But we're also going to dive into that with John Make sure you, I'm, I'm excited for this show. Let's go over some quick news before we get started. Uh, Cam Hayward is officially on injured reserve. We knew that. Interestingly, Deontay Johnson is not on injured reserve. They chose to, I guess, they're maybe thinking he's, he's not going to be out long term or at least as long as they thought he was going to be. Therefore, hey, he's not. That's a good thing. The Steelers made some roster moves in terms of they promoted a receiver. Uh, they uh, Fitzpatrick that was on the practice squad. They signed some. They did some practice squad shuffling. This, that, and the other. I'll tell you what was really interesting. Uh, this was on our Slack channel. Dave Schofield put in the Steelers. The Steelers worked out a punter, a familiar name. If anyone remembers Brad Wing, I'm not joking you right now. Brad Wing. I'm gonna double check real quick. Yes, Brad Wing. Holy cow, they worked out Brad Wing. Mike Tomlin's not happy with Big Press. He is not happy with Presley Harvin the third. So that's going to be an interesting situation. If Presley Harvin doesn't punt well, I think he might be gone. Like the Cats, nine lives might be out. So keep an eye on that. The injury report stuff, yeah, there were six players on the injury report. You know, uh, Cam was on there at the time. Deontay Johnson didn't practice. You had players like uh, Larry Ogunjobi, who's limited, working through the concussion protocol. The fact he was limited is a good sign. Um, you had Pat Fryermuth with his chest. Uh, it's it, it, so early on. That was only the first injury report since we actually, it's a day late. So I'm not going to dive too much into that. We'll talk about that on Monday when the players are actually announced of who's going to play and who isn't. So be on the lookout for that. I tell you what. Let's get this show on the road, right? Coming up after a very short break, 
hearing a word from our sponsors. We're going to have John Suchan and in the second half, the All Bets Are Off segment. But stay tuned to the very end for a very special heart heart. We will be right back. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back from the break. Uh, I've been telling you this in case you haven't been paying attention every single week, whether it's Wednesday or Friday, doesn't matter. Depends on the game time, too. I'm going to be giving you a look behind enemy lines in, as it pertains to the Steelers' upcoming opponent. Last week, we had Rob Stats Guerrero on of the San Francisco 49ers, Fans First Sports Network. And now we have Johnny Cleveland himself, John Suchan. He's been on the show before when we previewed the Bengals and Browns. John, welcome back. How's it going? Thank you for having me, Jeff. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. You know, I always like to talk to you, uh, you Jeff. I don't know if I like to talk about the Steelers, but, you know, we'll, <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. Are we you, do. We have a, a lot to talk about. You had an opportunity to, to speak to my uh, colleague and friend, uh, Joel, the yes. left guard from the Fanatical Elves, and what the yes. elf was that, so... Yeah, and that was that was not as painful as I thought it was going to be. So I was very that was a pleasant surprise. So no, he was a good it was okay. a good show. If you haven't uh, checked that out, I retweeted that. Check it out on my timeline. Thank uh, but you. let's talk about this upcoming game between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all know the situation. Browns are coming off a rousing victory, twenty four to three over their Ohio rivals, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Steelers are coming off of a dud of all duds, a thirty to seven defeat to the San Francisco 49ers. And they meet in Pittsburgh, Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. and that's it. Just sets up a very weird stage. I want to ask you first because you have a good feel for the the Cleveland Browns, the fan base especially. Are people kind of riding high right now and thinking this is going to be like, wow, the Steelers are down, the Browns are up? This is are people thinking this could be a cakewalk, or are they thinking this is going to be a typical Steelers Browns game? Well, it depends on what day of the week it is. Um, so uh, I think earlier on in the week after I dried out from sitting in the rain uh, there, um, yeah, I think the euphoria was really sky high, uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday. Um, as a longtime Browns fan and is uh, trying to get a feel for like what you're saying, um, you know, I read a stat today about your Monday night performances for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last 32 years and you've you're 20 and 0 at home. So that yeah. put a little bit of a damper um, <laughs> this afternoon on my, on my, uh, my takes um, with all the uh, euphoria that we're experiencing. And it is really, um, you know, the fact too, here's the, here's what I don't understand, Jeff, and maybe you can explain this to me. I mean, because of that stat and I know what the Browns did, and I know what the Steelers did, but we're actually two and a half point favorites in yeah. Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, I think the over and under is like 39. I I have 38 and a half in front of me. Yeah. So I I was just like, yeah, I think we're super excited. Like this is, could be the first time since 93 that Bill Belichick was coaching the team that the Browns could go two and Oh, now we had the same opportunity a year ago and literally we're a minute and 56 seconds or something away from doing, going two and Oh last year. Um, and, and blew it. So, It'll be a tall task. I've written a little bit about, you know, some keys for the Brownies uh, this week against your Steelers. I did listen to your uh, show uh, or listen to you and Joel talk a little bit on what the elf was that. There you and, go. Uh, and, and, your, and your concerns there. And, um, yeah, I think Cleveland has an amazing opportunity based on what you mentioned and some of the weaknesses that your team has. Um going into this game, I think the Browns couldn't be 
at a higher level, but man, we've seen this on both sides. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think back to, I was, I was, when you were talking about these games, I even, it was even going way back to like, uh, what was the game in Pittsburgh when Cleveland came in there and beat you guys in week one, 51 to nothing. Oh yeah. That was like, Oh shoot. They, everyone talks about that. It was in the eighties, I believe. But I believe that you came back and beat us the in on uh, in in Cleveland that year. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I think Brian Davis he talked about this uh, on our post game show after the loss to the 49ers. He said that team even made the playoffs. The Steelers made the postseason. Yes, that year. yes. Yeah. Um, was that 80? Was it 89? 80 and 89? Maybe Joe 80, 89. One of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very young. I the Browns know. had Bud. I think it was Bud Carson was. Um, no, was it Bud Carson? Yeah, Bud Carson was the Browns coach. So yeah, so we're excited, but we're, you know, we're Browns fans. So I get it. I get that. I I, I get that. And I think that for me, you know, I think about this upcoming matchup, and you know, it, I guess uh, familiarity is what I'm really looking forward to for the Steelers because when you talk about a matchup like the San Francisco 49ers, that is the every is everything but familiarity. You know, that mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan's scheme is so unique and so different. And, mm-hmm. you know, week one, he's had extra time to prepare. Steelers weren't ready for that. That was evident mm-hmm. that they weren't ready for that. Uh, the Browns might have some wrinkles. And you th- talk about, you know, Jim Schwartz now as a defensive coordinator doing some mm-hmm. different things there. But ultimately, they're going to be very, very familiar with the Cleveland Browns and what they mm-hmm. like to do with Kevin Stefanski as the head coach. Mm-hmm. I think that helps the Steelers. But I want to ask you, from the Browns perspective, first and foremost, let's talk injuries. Okay. Because yeah. injuries are huge. The Steelers mm-hmm. had to put Cam Hayward on injured reserve today. Yeah. He'll be out for probably eight weeks yeah. with that groin injury. He's going to require yeah. surgery. Deontay yeah. Johnson is probably going to miss this game with a hamstring injury, but you all had a huge loss with Jack Conklin. He's mm-hmm. done for the year. Correct. With an ACL yeah. MCL. What yeah. else? What, what about other players banged up that might miss this game? Yeah. Um, Sh- Shelby Harris, has a sore Achilles. Uh, that Ooh. sucks. Um, yeah. uh, the new newly hired uh, Brown offensive lineman, uh, Iki uh, Saki Iki, or Ika, the the new drafty yep. offensive or uh, defensive lineman as well. Um, he was out with a foot injury, unspecified foot injury today. Uh, Juan Thornhill, the Browns' uh, free agent, free safety they signed from the Kansas City Chiefs, veteran guy has did not he suffered a calf a high calf injury prior to the season starting uh there was thought that maybe he'd get in last week did not has still been out all week this week um those calf injuries suck and yeah. so um <laughs> I, I so those are three of the main guys outside of Jack Cochlin I believe he's done Dewan Jones is the big spotlight on him big kid from Ohio State yep uh I always think of the blind side movie when I watch him now, man, the guy is huge and he's going to have a tall task against your guy. And, uh, he was even quoted as, as anticipating that, that your, your team will be, um, dead set on uh, setting TJ Watt, you know, through him or around him or, you know, over him. That's not really breaking news, John. He's the defensive well, player of the year. He's just going to go wreak havoc well, on the I'm opposition. Just gonna, I'm just, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to listen. I, I know I'm not. I mean, I'm not an expert when it comes to uh, the finites. I mean, I've coached hi, uh, high school and middle school uh, players. There you go. But Dewan Jones is. I'm telling you, this kid. I mean, just in the little bits that I saw, he didn't. He wasn't perfect Sunday, and it was crappy weather. But yeah. 
I, I really, I, I feel like he is learning a lot. He played a ton in preseason and he's doing a lot more, I think for this Browns team than they even expected. He w- it wasn't a high round draft pick. He went in the later rounds. Um, so I just, I just think it's going to be a real great test. I know what your guy Watts all about. Yeah. You know, but, uh, <laughs> um, oh, I mean, to, to be honest, not to cut you off, he's going to have a great test and, and he's a young player. And when you go up against a veteran like TJ Watt, who's very crafty. And I, I say that because there are these tricks of the trade as a pass rusher in the national football league, where you can either draw a hold, you can do a little you know, right. push and pull rip move. Right. And gonna, TJ yeah. Watt has perfected all of it. So this kid, yeah. Trial by fire. I expect them to do a lot what the 49ers did. They put George Kittle on the right side last week to try and chip TJ Watt coming out. But yeah, yeah. you see it enough. It doesn't matter. He will still get to the quarter. Let's talk about offensive strengths. We know Nick Chubb, the running game is going to be, it's going to be there. It's going to be existing. It's not like they're going to abandon the run, even though Kevin Stefanski has shown on occasion to abandon the run. My question for you is if the running game is not clicking on all cylinders, we know they're probably not going to just say, okay, forget about it unless they're trailing by a lot, but let's say that doesn't happen. How, what's the trust level with Deshaun Watson to be able to still make the plays necessary to move the ball through the air. If the ground game isn't the primary mode of transportation down the football field. Hi. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, he didn't, obviously the weather and everything last week really was a factor, but, and he threw several balls into the ground. I mean, so, um, I've seen them all, trust me. No, I know you did. You know, he, he, he underthrow. No, you know, he, I, I did hear your take on that previous show with Joel too on that, but, um, I think there's a different set of standards for, Deshaun, I think even Joel mentioned that in his show about yeah, you know comparing him. Okay, okay. Anyway, he underthrew Marquise Goodwin at least twice on on long long balls that Mar- Mar- Marquise Goodwin had his guy beat. He's our kind of our new speed speedster. We weren't sure what we were going to get from him, so he can extend the field. You know, length. You know, um, I think you know Amari Cooper is going to be there. I think he's developing some really good chemistry with Elijah Moore. So, I mean, the, the tight ends, all three tight ends for the Browns, all all contributed, not a lot. They didn't really involve them until getting into that second and third quarter. Um, Harrison Bryant only caught two passes for five yards, but the one was a touchdown. It was a beautiful, you know, bootleg to the to mm-hmm. the right and a great call and play action for Chubb. Um, David Njoku is totally underappreciated, probably not used as much as he could. Yeah. And even Jordan Akins, who they just brought over for the Houston Texans, who used to play with Deshaun, he had a nice little a giddy up catch for like twelve or thirteen yards for a first sound that really put the game, you know, to to put the game away. So yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think on offense, when you talk about the Steelers defense versus the Browns offense, the the recipe for success for Pittsburgh is rather simple. You want to slow down the running game and you want to take your chances with especially you're mm-hmm. missing your right tackle put them in obvious passing situations and let the pass rush get to him. My question is now on the defensive side for the Pittsburgh offense, who struggled mightily against the really good 49ers defense yeah. last week, yeah. going up against another really good defense in the Cleveland Browns defense, but not every unit on every team is perfect. There are always those glaring air, maybe not glaring, but there's always those areas that can be exploited. 
So when I look at the Cleveland Browns, I was shocked. Mike Tomlin, you know, he makes every team in his press conference that they're about to play sound like the 1985 Bears. That's just what he does. But in this case, he was glowing about the defensive backs for the Cleveland Browns. Just thought they had a tremendous game against Cincinnati. Makes me wonder because you also throw in, you know, Zedarius and Miles Garrett in the front. Where are those weaknesses if there are any on that Cleveland defense? If the Steelers are going to exploit anything on that side of the football, the defensive line, and now the fact that you've got a couple little injuries has always been sort of the bugaboo as far as giving up on the run game in, in years past. Uh, the linebacker crew has gone through injuries. Taki Taki's been gone. Anthony Walker um, was gone all last year, but. To be honest, what they did on Sunday was probably the most impressive I've seen personally as a fan and someone who's, you know, analyzed this team yeah. over and over again for years. I don't recall a, a dominating performance like that uh, really in a long time. Um, you know, I go back to Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield and those late great Browns teams that had great defense along with Bernie Coaster on offense back in the late 80s and early 90s. They, I don't know. I mean, the weaknesses for me right now going into this game, obviously, if Shelby Harris and Ika are, are down, and um, that might be the only thing. Now, I will say this they, the corners that you're talking about, Martin Emerson, Denzel, Greg Newsom, yeah, these guys had like you know, keep in mind, and you probably didn't pay attention to this as much as we Browns fans. Um, the uh, what's the young man's name? Uh, Jamar chase yeah. uh, made a public statement oh, of yes. uh, uh, actually publicizing the fanatical elves network. He, he <laughs> talked about, about we're just a bunch of elves. So we want to thank Jamar chase for that because we've, we, but they've played them well in years past that we are five and one against the Bengals. Um, yeah, that and true. it's, that's not like, you know, we're, and Joe Schmo just beat us for the first time last, last time. Um, I, I think that they traditionally play the Bengals players, Chase and T Higgins, you know, T Higgins, T Higgins didn't have a catch, you know? Um, so there was something there to prove it was personal and they were, I mean, they were all over them, and I'd never seen that. I think it's how Jim Schwartz is playing this defense, too, and what he's given them. He's given these guys freedom, and this defense is just attack and read and then attack, and it's not, you know, these these guys last year just were discombobulated. The miscommunications, there was finger-pointing. Th that was completely the polar opposite. If you watch any of that game on replay, every play the Browns defenders were celebrating uh, doing various things, you know, that just, yeah. that really are good signs that point to a team that's very confident. And so I don't know necessarily if I see th those weaknesses, what, what are you seeing? That's, no, that's uh, fair. That is fair. Yeah. I mean, there, there are those teams there are those defenses. I mean, you look at, I'm going to obviously go back to week one a lot because that's the only game the Steelers have played so far this season. Right. And San Francisco doesn't really have those glaring weaknesses either. If, if you had to pick one, it would be their secondary. Their cornerbacks are lesser known. They rely on their front seven, the pass rush to mm -hmm. get home to fluster yeah. a quarterback. Therefore you can't exploit it. Uh, Cleveland is a little bit different. They have really done a good job of putting together a very solid defense from top to bottom. I do think that your comments about those injuries along the defensive front are going to be very noteworthy. We'll have to keep an eye on those. Yeah. But you know what? Um, 
I really do. I, I want to get you out of here. I want to get your prediction though first. It doesn't have to be a score. It can just be how you feel the game's going to play out. Uh, according to my bookie, who sponsors the Steel Curtain Network, they have the Cleveland Browns giving two and a half points on the road in prime time with an over under at thirty eight and a half. John, what do you think? How do you see this game going? I'm going to give you a score. Go for I'm it. Gonna go, I'm going 36-33 Brownies. Holy cow. Are you serious? Yeah. 69 yes. total points? Why not? Vegas does not see they it that beat, way. I'm they, not saying they, that. They, they, <laughs> beat, they, beat them, they beat them in the playoff game, what, 47-36? No, yeah, I'm more shocked. Let me make this very clear. If the Cleveland Browns win this game. Like, I don't think many Steeler fans after last week are going to be like, oh, I'm stunned. Um, if it's close, the Steeler fans say, but well, maybe we're moving in the right direction. Whatever. The fact that you have it that high scoring is I very want to shock impressive. you. I want to shock and you awe. Did. You know? you yeah, did. there you go. You, you got you write it. it down. You pencil it down. You can, we can talk about it later. <laughs> Absolutely. Very good. All right, John, I'm going to let you get out of here. Before we do that, I want to okay. let you give it uh, tell everyone this listening to my podcast on the outside chance that they would want to listen to a Browns podcast. Um, hey, you can hear me on one of them. So go just find that one and you can well, listen to that one. Well, but still, all, yeah. We're, we're all, you can find yeah. It. We're all snarky. Um, so if you <laughs> like snarkiness and you Pittsburgh fans, I, I know, I know you are. And I yes. know enough. I know I have, I'm related to enough Pittsburgh fans as well. So um, we need you to come over and join us and support us and just click on that Apple and Spotify and, and download us and, and follow us because, you know, you're supporting this fans first sports network that Jeff is uh, gearing and in, in, in charge of and, and blowing it up. So, um, you know, we're, we, you we to, appreciate you had to do that. You had to throw in the fans first stuff. You had to be like, Oh, Jeff's the, he's running that ship. You got to support him too. Man. Well, if it weren't for you guys, <laughs> no. And that's what I, Hey, I, I don't like you guys. I get, it, I, I get it. I like your city. Don't tell anybody. I don't like your football team. I kind of like your baseball team, you know, because of R Roberto Clemente yeah. um, and, 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 and all those great teams like Bobby Bonilla and Barry Bonds got to meet those guys, by the way. So you Pittsburgh fans, you know, I, I, I know a little bit about, I've been to a few games, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, come follow us over the fanatical L's. We, we have a great group of guys from Joel who does the, what the elf was at, which is a yeah. fun, great show. And then we have the Brownie acts with Elliot, uh, Steve, Steve Gill lives out of town down in Nashville and he has the, uh, the dog pound South podcast. So if you get that non Cleveland perspective, so we have a big fan base Browns backers. So he, he brings a really good, good perspective. And then we got Rod Bloom, who's pretty popular here in, in Ohio. He lives out over in Dayton and he and his brother, Jeff actually is his brother, Jeff. They, uh, they do a great sh show called the Browns blitz. And, uh, we've got all sorts of other new shows coming up. I've got the, awesome. uh, Kevin Stefanski, what, what the, what did he say, you know, and uh, yeah. what was that? So thanks for ha having us. I appreciate it. No and problem. I hope, I hope you guys lose. On well, Monday night. Is, let me just say this as a Steelers fan, anyone out there listening, cause you know, you're listening to let's ride my ride or die crew. If, if this, when the Steelers win on Monday night, you can go check out their post-game reaction, hear them cry and <laughs> bemoan. I'm sure they'll complain about the officiating or something like that, but that's fine. Well, It'll be good for okay. everyone. All right, John, I'm going to let you get out of here. Hey, enjoy the game, and I'm sure we'll be talking again when the Steelers are getting ready to play the Browns again later in the Thank year. You. Take it easy. Okay, bye-bye.
All right, Steeler fans, it is Friday. It's the second half of the show. That means it's time for the All Bets Are Off segment. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. And in the first half, had John on to talk about the Browns and a little bit more of like behind enemy lines with them. But there's a lot to discuss amongst the Steelers in terms of their own internal affairs. We'll put it that way. Uh, here we have it on Thursday. Cam Hayward, we knew this was coming. Already uh, headed to IR. Deontay Johnson's probably not going to play. Uh, Jeremy, I think we know the answer to this. I, you know, Cam's going to be a huge loss. Let me rephrase mm-hmm. this differently than what I just had in my mind. How do you think the Steelers try and figure out a way to replace these players? Yep. So Cam Hayward, Mike Tomlin said it himself. It is not a one man job. It's going to require multiple people. How do you think they do that? Like, how do you, how do you suggest that? Well, first off, I think it's easier. It's going to be easier than trying to replace TJ Watts production from last year. And that's not a, that's not a knock on Cam Hayward. I just think that where he plays football, there are more highly qualified people to do that job than there are to be an elite top of the line, number one defensive player in all of the league pass rusher. And yeah. so I think the Steelers will not suffer in, in the lack of production department that they did last year without TJ Watt. So I think first off, you can take that and at, for some level of comfort as a Steelers fan, how they replace him is going to be intriguing because you've got guys. I think the, the closest one for one comparison to Cam Hayward is probably their rookie. Uh, Keanu, Keanu Benton. Keanu I, Benton I, yeah. I really th- just think that as far as the, the type of player that he is, the, the his ability to, to stack and shed and take up bodies, but also be explosive. That's Keanu Benton's game. That's, that's why I think the Steelers drafted him. And yeah, they're going to use him at nose tackle this year while you've got Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi there, but he's the future at the defensive tackle position for the Steelers. And that's because he can do a little bit of everything. So I think you definitely see a bigger role for him automatically. And then we're going to see how the other pieces fit in the second year player, um, whose name is escaping me right now at on uh, Marvin Leal. Yes. Marvin Leal. There Thank you go. Jeff. Thank you. Jeff, no problem. That's what I'm here my, for. Jogging my Thursday <laughs> night brain. Uh, it's, I think that he's more of, he's more of a rotational guy at this point of his career and not somebody that they're going to ask to play a a bunch of snaps. So he's going to get in there on more pass rushing downs. I believe while Keanu Benson handles the majority of snaps there. And you, you are going to see Armand Watts included in this lineup. I think he's not going to be inactive on Sunday. He's going to have a helmet. And, uh, but I just think that like Mike Tomlin said, multiple guys, but the guy that I would look to is the rookie, Keanu Benton. I think that he's he's the one that you've got to say fits the mold of if we needed a one-for-one replacement for Cam Hayward, and obviously you're not expecting him to play to that level right away, but he's the guy with that same skill set. Yeah. I think schematically the Steelers are going to have to be creative as well in terms of you know, do they deploy a lot of their base defense or do they focus more on sub packages where you don't have the typical three down linemen and things like that, that they're going to have to be creative. And it's going to be a a long eight weeks without Cam Hayward until he's eligible to return. He underwent surgery, as we all know at this point. Let's talk about the other side of the ball with Deontay Johnson. You know, Deontay Johnson is, people love to hate him because he didn't hit pay dirt last year. And they, they, they think he runs backwards and he goes down too easy with contact. All of that might be true in some sense. However, 
he is still dynamic. He's still very fast in and out of his breaks. Very difficult to, for, for a defender yeah. to cover. Right. With all that being said, and uh, he's also an outside receiver. Let's also, he very rarely goes to the slot. With all that being said, what do you think the Steelers are going to do from a wide receiver perspective in terms of trying to, uh, you know, cover up the loss of Deontay Johnson? Is it a one person gig or is this going to be multiple players? Just like we just mentioned with uh, Cam Hayward. I think a lot of it is schematics more than players. And that's not to say that you can't have a guy like Allen Robinson move outside a little bit more and, and play more of those snaps. Because I think Allen Robinson's always been a good route runner. That's been his, his calling card has always been a well-rounded receiver that can beat you multiple ways. And Deontay Johnson's really the, if you need the easy completion to the receiver, who's going to get open quick, that's his, his, his play. But I think what the Steelers had built an offense around is Deontay Johnson in the passing game. And I think this forces the Steelers to actually build the passing offense around George Pickens and his skill set, which is the contested catch, which is the downfield ball, which is some of those intermediate digs and crossers and things like that, where you can get his speed and size and space and use him there. The comebacks are Deontay Johnson's game. The the stops and goes are, are Deontay Johnson's game. And you can't do that without him. So I think schematically this changes. And I was going to make the point on social media. If I ever got the chance today, it was a busy day at work for me today, Yeah, but that I think that this forces the Steelers hand a little bit and might actually be a blessing in disguise because now you have to throw the football to George Pickens. You can't avoid him and give him four or five targets a game anymore and I think that once the Steelers actually start doing that that they're going to realize okay this has to happen we have to get this guy the ball because he is our most dynamic downfield playmaker and that's not a knock against Deontay Johnson and I do hope he comes back quickly but in the meantime the Steelers might have to force some balls to George Pickens and I think that that helps your offense that forces you to get downfield a little bit more and then the other guys still remain complimentary pieces. Calvin Austin, Allen Robbins. You know, it's funny because you, I, I don't disagree with anything that you just said. I do think that George Pickens should see more um, targets coming his way. Mm-hmm. He's also a very niche wide receiver, though. You yeah. know, the back shoulder throw down the sideline, just throw it up 50-50 ball, go let him make a play. He's still not the best route runner. Right. This is where, for me, if I am Mad Canada, which honestly anymore, I feel like I'm pretty close already, even with <laughs> my limited knowledge of football, to being yeah. close to Mad Canada. We have the same haircut and everything. Um, I would say <laughs> that I'm not, I'm not, yeah, schematically, we're going to change maybe some targets and things like that. This is a one to one for me. And when mm-hmm. I say one to one, this is a Deontay Johnson's on the lineup, Calvin Austin is in. Huh? Calvin okay. Austin, you're doing everything Deontay Johnson did. Who else on the Steelers roster can be yeah. that X or Z receiver who can create separation? And if, if a defensive back from the Browns wants to step up and try to play man-to-man coverage and press coverage on Calvin Austin, throw it deep. Yeah, You might not even complete it, but when he runs by them, they're not going to want to do that anymore. And so yeah. once they give him that cushion, now you have all those underneath routes, you've got that separation, and you can get him the ball. Let's also not forget that he and Kenny Pickett have a very good rapport with one another, that's something that Kenny Pickett's spoken about a lot since they were rookies because they were both like 13 guys last year yeah. in training camp. So he was repping it a lot with Calvin Austin, the third 
I would say George Pickens is going to see more of an increased workload as he should. Allen Robinson, keep him in the slot. That's where they need him. Big body guy. Let Calvin Austin go out and let him not be a gimmick player. Let him not be that guy that when he steps on the field, everyone goes up, red flag, here comes a jet sweep, or here comes someone going deep. you got to prove that he can do more than that. The Steelers are going to have to do that. They're going to have to prove a lot to themselves and to the fan base this week for sure. Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, and just tagging on to that, I mean, what the Steelers, what Mike Tomlin really stressed this week was the inability inability to really establish anything um, as far as running the ball or anything because they just couldn't get in rhythm. And I think that, you know, when you lose a key piece, sometimes you go back to fundamentals a little bit. Sometimes you, I know you probably experienced this as a coach that when you lose your best player, you you've got to focus on your technique a little bit more. And I think that schematically for the Steelers, it, it behooves them greatly to target their playmakers. And that's what Calvin Austin, the third is, that's what George Pickens is. And so, and also getting that running game going because you don't have the, the quick, easy, out route to Deontay Johnson to to get you going if things are are sticky. So yeah. get get leaning on that run. And I don't care, like you said, just try it a few times deep. I don't care if Najee Harris gains one and two yards on the first couple of plays. Let's get this guy the ball and let him get going. He has to get going to be a good running back. And I think he's had success against the Browns in similar game plans. I mean, for the love of all things holy, try something unique. Like for that, that's all I want on offense. Like you said, establish the run. And I read an article that published on steelcurtnetwork.com Thursday, and it was three realistic changes that I thought the Steelers should look into. I'm not saying like these are not wholesale fire everyone things. Like that was not the article. I don't know if you read it, but if not, I'm going to tell you what those three things were. I want to get your take on it. And then we'll talk about some keys and do our predictions. So when I'm talking about Levi Wallace, okay, how are you going to deploy him? But I want to see Joey Porter Jr. more. You know, just a little, he played seven snaps and maybe they, Hey, according to Terrell Austin, who spoke to the media Thursday that he, they don't think he's ready. They don't think he's ready. So fair enough, fair enough. But I want to see more than seven snaps. He was only playing in dime. They didn't run a lot of dime. I said the second thing, which is kind of, you brought up Keanu Benton. And I think that's absolutely where they need to go with Cam Hayward being out. Yeah. Another rookie. The third part was, can we use Darnell Washington? Not just a little bit more, but in different ways. Yeah. So you come out and he, I think he played 23 snaps, 24 snaps around that area. And that's a lot for a rookie, but the dude hardly ever went out for a pass. He was just used as a blocker. At what point are they going to say, okay, let's run play action and let's get him down the seam. He's a giant of a man. And we do that a couple times. And all of a sudden when Darnell Washington comes out, they can't just say, here comes the run. Here comes the predictability. What are your thoughts on those three things? I, I 100% agree with, with every stance you took there. I think the Darnell Washington one sticks out to me because he's another weapon that you haven't utilized yet. And I think as a pass catcher, he creates amazing mis- mismatches anywhere on the field that you line him up. And I saw them try to split him out a little bit and kind of just give that look, but you got to do something with the look for it to become viable. So get him in some space and throw him the football. I, it doesn't matter what you put on him. If you put a big safety on him, he's a mismatch because he's going to be faster and more athletic than that big safety. If you put a small corner on him to try to run with him, then he's he's a giant in comparison. So utilize your mismatches. That's what I feel like the Steelers have not done well 
in recent uh, iterations of the offense. So I really like that one. Um, when you're talking about, you know, getting the ball into your hands in the hands of your playmakers, that's how you win football games. And so that's what I, I really truly believe the Steelers have to do. Mismatches, maximizing those mismatches. That's something that they'd never have done under Matt Canada. I hate to say that, but it's just true. They did always struggle. Yeah. And the the other thing is like, where's this, where's the screen game? You know, one of the staples of the Todd Haley offense was some of those bubble screens Mm -hmm. and you got tired of them after a while. Uh, especially if they weren't working, but we don't see anything in, as far as the screen game. And Jeff, I don't know if you remember against the the Cleveland Browns in the win near the end of the year last year, yep. Najee Harris took a screen pass like 50 or 60 yards and it was called back on a hold, but still that was the most explosive play that they had basically all the second half of the year. <laughs> there was a lot of dink yeah. and dunk, a lot of running. Let's get some, Get some guys out in space and let them make plays. Yeah, I like the jet sweeps to to Calvin Austin if you can prove that they become worthwhile. But why don't you throw him a bubble screen? Why don't you get him out in space and use him? Why don't you use George Pickens in that way or Darnell Washington in that way to run over some people? Let's Absolutely. let's be creative, like you said. That creativity has to ratchet up a couple notches here for them to be anything but the vanilla bean offense right. that we've seen <laughs> well you would think you would think okay let's do some predictions here to finish this up there's only one other game we need to predict and that is the Bengals and ravens now kudos to you you predicted the browns win over the Bengals last week i said the Bengals were going to win i was clearly not even close but then again <laughs> i wasn't close on the steelers either Me but the neither. ravens and Bengals go head to head in cincinnati sunday at one o'clock what do you think about this game this to me is is a much closer game than last week's uh, Cincinnati and and Cleveland game. And I didn't expect that. I thought maybe the Browns won a tight one, but I like the Ravens in this game. I, I just think the Bengals take some time to get going. And I think that they have more issues than the national media is, is purporting them to have uh, as far as some, some of their secondary assets in that offensive line are an, are an issue. And I think the Ravens can bring, if if they can bring pressure, it's up the middle. And that's where the Cincinnati Bengals have struggled is, is halting pressure up the middle. So, and then also another, another week along in this, this Lamar Jackson, Todd Monken marriage here. I think you start to see some things click. Zay flowers is a matchup problem on the outside. We saw that Mark Andrews comes back this week. I know you lose JK Dobbins, but Lamar Jackson's presence in that backfield is enough to, uh, make any running back viable back there and they've got some options. So I just think that the Ravens, they tend to be a little bit further ahead typically as far as uh, preparedness to start a season than the Bengals do. I just think this is a, another Owen two start a second Owen two start for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to agree with you here. I think that the, uh, I think Baltimore finds a way to win. I think it is going to be close. You said that maybe a Justin Tucker field goal yeah. as, as time sure. expires. I think, Cincinnati's going to show signs of life. They're going to start looking a little bit more like the Cincinnati Bengals we all expected this year. But I like the Ravens to win this one as well, even though they struggle against Cincinnati, especially on the road. So we'll see. But let's talk about the game that everyone wants to talk about. Monday Night Football, Steelers, Browns. Currently, you know, we're sponsored by MyBookie here at the Steel Curtain Network. The MyBookie, uh, as of this being recorded, the over-under is set at 38 and a half, and <laughs> the Cleveland Browns are giving two and a half in prime time on the road, Jeremy, how do you see this shaking out? 
it's going to be a dog fight. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to harken back to Steelers Ravens of the 2010s. I would say, because these defenses are out for blood and it's two offenses trying to figure themselves out. Now the Browns have a leg up on the offensive side of the ball because they've got the most efficient runner, maybe of all time and Nick Chubb behind a really, really good established offensive line. And so the advantage plays to them there a little bit, but I, I, I believe that the the Browns is a, are a better matchup for Pittsburgh. They play a little more north and south than San Francisco does. San Francisco spreads you out. They like to they like to go east and west on you, as opposed to the Browns, who just like to line up and, and go. And I think that that actually plays better to the Steelers linebackers, the Steelers front seven, who would rather just beat you head up, man to man. And so I think that that matches up better for Pittsburgh. That being said, I do think the offense's struggles against San Francisco against another really good defense that can absolutely clamp you down on the outside. You're going to have to run the football against this team. That's their weak area. So if you can do that and, and loosen up the coverage a little bit, force more guys into the box, then maybe you have a shot. But I just think this is a low-scoring affair, and I think that the Steelers' issues on offense are are more than just a one-week fix. So – I'm going to say that the Browns win this game very close. My score prediction is 19 to 17. A lot of field goals, maybe a missed extra point here and there. 19 to 17 Browns. And maybe this is a little bit of uh, reverse psychology. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> but um, I'm going to set my expectations for this offense low until they can prove otherwise. The 20s, uh, as far as scoring points in the in the – 20s seems out of reach right now so i get it you got to play tough i do like maybe the steelers covering that two and a half point spread at home so in a close game but still it's i i don't know if they can win right now you know sometimes when a team is struggling they often are okay if they have a familiar opponent coming yeah that's true the 49ers are not a familiar opponent once every eight years is not familiarity or four i guess at home every eight but still you know you have the browns coming in and even though deshaun watson is still somewhat of a mystery and yes there's the new defensive coordinator and things like that in cleveland we heard about that all in the first half of the show there is a familiarity here. You talked yeah. about North and South running. That might set up perfect for an Landon Roberts game. Like, yes. hey, what does he want? He wants it coming right at him. Let's go. Nick Chubb, Landon Roberts meet in the hole. That's what he wants. I think the Steelers realize how bad they looked last week. Yeah. I think, you know, you listen to Matt Canada, who actually tried to get out in front of questions during his media availability on Thursday. He understands that it's getting hot and heavy really early. And yeah. so because of that, I think the Steelers are going to come out focused. I think Mike Tomlin's record at home on Monday Night Football speaks for itself. And I, if they lose this game like you portrayed, I wouldn't, it, you know, it wouldn't shock me, but I don't think they're going to get blown out again. I actually yeah. think the Steelers find a way to win 23-21 Steelers okay. win. And I think that there's going to be a big splash play in the return game. Maybe one Mr. Calvin Austin the third sure. in the punt return game that could potentially turn the tide and get the Steelers a much needed victory at home. But we shall see. We yep. shall see. Jeremy, as always, I'm going to give you a chance to tell people what you have coming up. Um, a Sunday Q and A since they yep. play on Monday night. I think you're going to do this on Sunday this week. 
Uh, I hadn't discussed it with Brian yet, but I think that that is on the table as an option. So I'm giving you, I'm giving you the yeah. green light okay, right now. Okay, great. Sunday night, let's bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll maintain flexibility with that one. So Sunday night, uh, we'll, we'll do it. And I'll, I will have a guest this week. Not sure who it is yet, but I will have a guest. And right. uh, that's going to be fun. Um, the Steelers fix. We're continuing to roll with a lot of our uh, personnel talk throughout the the season and how they're doing. I think we're, we're going to hit up maybe uh, some reviews of maybe rookie class or second year players after this week, just to kind of get that rolling as well. So I'll talk with Andrew about that. We'll get that out there. I had my power rankings uh, that I'll be doing weekly come out on fansforsports.com. And obviously that includes the Steelers. And uh, so see how far they fell after week one. And if they can rebound this week, Um, fantasy football stuff coming your way still yet this week. And you can follow me on Twitter X Twix, as I call it um, at the bets, 93 T H E B E T Z nine, three. All right, Jeremy, as always, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. We'll talk next week. Have a good one. See ya. All right, and a big thank you to Jeremy for taking the time like he does every Friday. I always love his insight. He's he's willing to think outside the box, and he picked the Browns to win. I mean, he calls it reverse psychology. I call it psychosis, whatever. Same thing. Uh, let's talk about some heart-to-heart as we finish this up every single Friday. Look, I know that fans are upset. I know that fans are down, and I know that fans are basically saying, you know what, this team, yeah, they disappointed me. You disappointed me. And there's a lot of fans that say, all hope is gone. All that preseason success was a fluke. Well, let me say this. It wasn't a fluke. Maybe it was against a lesser opponent, meaning backups or teams that are not going to be as good as the San Francisco 49ers. But that doesn't mean that the success that was experienced in the preseason cannot live in the regular season and exist there as well. It can. So folks that are sitting there thinking, oh, season's done because of one bad game, and I know it was bad. I know it was really bad. However, if you think that this season is completely in the tank, no way they're ever going to no, know. Like they're never going to come back and right the ship. I disagree with you wholeheartedly. We'll put it that way. My theory on this is they had a, they had a really bad game. Everyone knows it. You don't need to talk about it. They have to come out and they have to play in, against Cleveland, which is they're a really good team. You heard John in the first half. He understands it and he's a fan. I get it. But still, they they're going to do it against a really good Cleveland Browns team. So we'll see how this plays out. We'll see how this plays out. But have faith that that whole all the success the Steelers experienced in the preseason was no fluke. It was no fluke. They can find it. How soon and can they right away? We'll see. Let's hope it's on Monday night. All right, that does it for me, folks. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Make sure you're checking out SteelCurtainNetwork.com and make sure you're checking me out on Monday as we kind of recap some of these games over the week. Weekend, get you geared up for the Monday Nighter against Cleveland. Have a great weekend, everyone. You know what finished out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. See you.